So all right, let's finish up this series that I started a couple weeks ago that I'm calling um, Vital. And in this series, we're, we're looking at women in the kingdom of God and what it looks like uh, to be a woman in God's kingdom, what it looks like, why God created uh, men and women or how he created them the way that he created them and what's that all about and are, is there... Um, you, you know, you're like, like just again, what's that all about? Depending on your relationship with the church, your history in churches and that sort of thing, or just maybe the way you heard your, you know, people talk or, or your family talk, you may have different views about women in general. And, and so what I wanted to do was take a, a, a look at what Scripture says about God's design for women and what he wants to accomplish through women. And hopefully, if there's a handful of you in the room that have been kind of locked up and chained up by your notions about that, that maybe you could kind of be set free and, and just kind of kind of broaden your, your perspective on that a little bit. Because we serve a God who works powerfully uh, through his people and not just his male people. He works powerfully through uh, all of us, through all of us, men and women alike. And regardless of, of you know, what other issues we have going on in our life, we serve a God who, who is the great equalizer in terms of our faith and in terms of, of how he pours himself into us. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So let me just give a really quick recap. The first week we talked about how uh, that we are created in God's image. And the first point we made was you were, you were distinctly created in God's image to reflect his strength intelligence, beauty, and selfless love. And that's true of women and of men both, that we are all created in his image, male and female. We're, we're, we're all created in that image. And so uh, and one of the things that we also talked about that week was this idea of making a choice to live in the harmony that God intended, to live in that harmony that God intended, that we have, you know, before sin came into the world, what you see is this beautiful mutuality that was inherent in his creation of men and women, that they were created to be co-rulers over his creation, co-stewards, if you will, over his creation. And, and in that, what happened was when sin came into the world, all of that shifted. And then it became very power grabby. It became, um, you know, desiring each other in, in, in wicked and unhealthy ways and, and, and just everything. And so basically... After the, before the fall, you have mutuality. After the fall, you have this unhealthy, um, evil patriarchy that has existed in this world for uh, millennia now. And, and so that women have been viewed uh, over the centuries more as property than as uh, people of value uh, inherent in themselves. And so um, what does that look like for us living now in this kind of transitionary period where we're seeing that patriarchy begin to be destroyed in a lot of really beautiful ways, really great ways, but we're in that in-between period, and so there's a lot of tension there, and how do we live that out? And, but bottom line is we're all created in God's image, and we can make a choice to live in the patriarchy that sin created, or we can live, make a choice to live in the harmony that God intended when he created things. And what does, that, what does that choice look like for you? As a single person, what does it look like for you in terms of, 
the way you work and live and you know, function within your nuclear family. And all, as a married person, what does it look like in the way that you treat your spouse and, and the way that you view your spouse and the, and the value that they bring to the relationship? And like, what, is it going to take, does God want to shift some thinking in your head and maybe even shift some of your actions and attitudes so that it better reflects the harmony that he intended. So I just encourage you to be praying about that and ask God. I'm not going to prescribe anything, but be praying about it. And then last week, well, you know, the first week was, was we're created in God's image. Last week, we're equal in, God, in Christ's kingdom. And we talked about that the world's isms have no place in Christ's kingdom. There's no place in Christ's kingdom for racism, for classism, for sexism. Uh, those things do not belong in the kingdom of God. They exist there because sin exists, but they do not belong. They do not belong. And as kingdom change agents in this world, it is up to us to live lives that bring about God's kingdom, even uh, in, in small, big and small ways right now, in the here and now. And so, uh, you know, to live in that equality and mutuality that God intended once again. So this week, we're going to dive into the idea that we're all gifted in the Spirit's power. Gifted in the Spirit's power. Um, when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, people a lot of times uh, get a little weirded out. They're unsure of what we're talking about. Most people think of the Holy Spirit as, as like the force in Star Wars, that it's just some sort of weird power that we don't really, you know, it's very impersonal. And, and a lot of times in conversation, you'll, you'll refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Uh, and, and Scripture never refers to the Holy Spirit as it. It refers to the Holy Spirit as He, a person, just like God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. It's a person of the Trinity, and, and there's a personal relationship to be had there. And so when we read about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, we get this picture first. Like if you look at the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit showing up on those very first pages of the Bible. When, uh, when creation is happening, you see the Holy Spirit hovering over the water, somehow active in the creative work that was going on. And then you fast forward through the Old Testament and you see the Holy Spirit showing up at very specific times and very specific purposes. God's Spirit would empower people for specific jobs and you know, tasks, uh, purposes that he had for their lives. And it was kind of temporal. You'd be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then that Spirit might be withdrawn, and you know, it's kind of like that. But then you get to the New Testament, and so you have Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, walking amongst us. And so he's here, and he knows he's getting ready to leave, and his time on earth is, is, is ended at the, for this time. And he promises, he's like, you guys that are following me, hang out in Jerusalem because I'm sending a comforter. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. And you'll actually accomplish even more than I was able to accomplish because of the Holy Spirit, Spirit's presence in your life. And so that's what happens. They hang out in Jerusalem for you know, a handful of, of uh, weeks after uh, Christ has ascended back to heaven. And then one day, there, 120 of them are gathered up in a room they're in Jerusalem and they're praising God and, and you know, just being thankful for, for, for Jesus and all of that. And they're praying for this comforter to come. And the Holy Spirit, we're told in Acts chapter 2, descends on them in, and, uh, in a very powerful way, like a mighty rushing wind and, and just a, a, like an emotional 
powerful moment. They're looking at each other. You know, it's about this many people almost, you know, almost this many people together in a room together, and they're looking at each other, and thoop, thoop, little flames are, are shooting up on you know, top of their heads, little tongues of flame. Very odd. You know, it's not a normal day, right? And so, so that's happening. And then because it was a holiday in Jerusalem, there were people from all different nations gathered together, and there were people in this room from all different nations. And suddenly, as they began to speak to one another, one another and praise God together, they can hear each other in their own language. Miraculous, right? Just ab- and so imagine yourself like we just experienced something in worship here that was powerful. We got those, you know, Holy Ghost bumps, and 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 you know, it was really a beautiful thing. And 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 you know that when God moves, when the Spirit moves in us. Uh, it can be emotional and it can be uh, powerful. Uh, and we love those moments, but imagine yourself in their shoes some 2,000 years ago in that room and the Holy Spirit descends on them like a mighty rushing wind and they're literally seeing fire, the Spirit descending like fire and they're talking to each other and praising the Lord together and they hear each other in their own language. They lost their mind. They lost their mind. They were like, You've got to be kidding me. And they're praising God and they're shouting and they're hugging each other and they're just rejoicing together. And it gets so out of control, it bleeds out of the room into the streets and they're still praising God and they're dancing and they're prophesying over one another and they're praying together and they're huddled up and they're high-fiving and they're all of this stuff. And the crowd in the streets is looking at what's going on to a group of people about our size right now going... These people are drunk. Drunk. Like what in the world? And so Peter, Jesus' disciple, picks up the microphone that didn't exist back then and begins to preach in ways he had never preached before. This is the same Peter who just a handful of days earlier had rejected Christ three times because he was so afraid his fate would be the same as Jesus's. The same Peter who would stumble over his own words preached one of the greatest sermons that he would probably ever preach in his life. In fact, spoiler alert, that 120 people that were gathered together empowered by the Holy Spirit after Peter preaches his sermon in that moment grows to 3,000 people. That's, that's a home run sermon. That's a home run, Right? And this is what, how he starts off, and I love this. He says, it's Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 14. If you've got one of the brown Bibles from the back, it's page 883. It says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And this, what you're seeing, right? It's like, let me explain this to you, because they're all assuming they're drunk. He says, uh, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, right? It's like, we're just getting started. Like, we just finished breakfast. There has not been time for us to get this drunk, right? Give us some extra time, right? So it's only nine in the morning. He says, no, this is what, this, again, what you're seeing right now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on, he begins to quote this prophecy from, from Joel from Joel's prophecy. And he says this, what, basically he's saying, this is what you're witnessing, what you have just seen, what you assumed was drunkenness. Let me tell you what it actually was. And he quotes this prophecy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He's like, this isn't drunkenness. This is God. This is a movement of God. And he goes on and he preaches this long sermon. He just lays it out. And he's, in fact, he's, he even gets a little rough where he's like, He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, God's been promising this Messiah, and we've all been looking forward to this Messiah, and oh, by the way, you idiots killed him. You killed him, but it's okay, because God works it all together for good, right? And and he gives this sermon, and 3,000 people come to faith, 3,000. Day one of the church, it was a mega church. Day one, Right? It's just a powerful thing. And so when the Holy Spirit, we see this coming of the Holy Spirit and, and how he empowers these people and the sons and the daughters are prophesying and they're dreaming dreams and they're having visions and they're, having, they're doing all this stuff. Like when God's Holy Spirit moves in us, he moves powerfully. And so what you see as we go into the Old Testament is no longer God empowering individuals for specific tasks. I'm in now, I'm out now, I'm in now, I'm out now, you know, that sort of thing. Instead, what we see now is the constant presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. The constant presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's not so, again, we, we, we look at that, we tend to think about that in terms of like very individual, um, um, I don't know, just kind of weird. What, what actually is being described there, though, is temple. Temple. Before, if you wanted to go visit the, the presence and the power of God, you had to go to the temple. The temple is where God resides. Jesus Christ sacrifices for us on the cross the way he sacrificed for us on the cross. He breathes his last breath. And what happens at the temple? The veil is torn in two. God's presence can no longer be boxed in. God chooses not to temple himself in a building, not this building, not any other building. Instead, he chooses to temple his presence in you. We are the temple of God. We, the only thing that makes this building holy is when you enter it. That's it. Because you bring Jesus, you bring his spirit with you. And so we have this beautiful thing happening where God now tabernacles, temples himself inside of us. And the purpose the scripture tells us of the Holy Spirit is one, he indwells us, he guides us, he keeps us on the right path, he keeps us going down paths that might challenge us, different purposes and plans that God has for our life specific to us, different callings specific to us, that sort of thing. He does that sort of thing. He, he gifts us, he gives us what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, little things that you're able to accomplish for, that are specific to you, that you're able to accomplish for the kingdom of God, for the church in general. And these gifts look like a lot of different things. Sometimes they are gifts of, uh, some people have a gift of generosity. Just, it just it comes natural to them, or, or God imposes upon them this call to generosity, and they're able to respond to that and go, yes, absolutely, Everything I have is yours, Lord, so you call it up anytime you need it. Some people have the gift of, of helps. They just, they just are those people that can jump in and help, and it just comes natural to them. I knew this lady once. We were in this church uh, years ago, and there was this, uh, we, we were having a little potluck after church. It was a very small congregation, just 40 or 50 people probably. And, uh, and so a little potluck after church, and one of the babies, one of the little kids 
as we're all eating, gets sick and just all over the floor, right? Just everywhere. And, and of the 40 people, 39 of us were, took a step back. And one ran into the mess and just immediately was like grabbing stuff and helping clean up and just be, like, it was so natural for her to just go, there's a need, I need to help. Boom. When everybody else was still stuck on ooh, she was jumping in. Like that is such a, a beautiful gift when people have that ability to see a need and just respond. Just see a need and just respond, right? You know, some people have the gifts of, of hospitality. Your home uh, or your time is just always open to people around you and, and, and you, you love people in a really beautiful way that way. Some people have the, the, uh, the gift of being able to, to teach or the gift of wisdom or the gift of leading or the gift of, of, you know, there's all these different gifts. There's about three or four different lists in the New Testament of the spiritual gifts. And, and, and we're all built in a different way. <coughs> Pardon me. Some of those gifts are, are attributes of ourselves that kind of come natural to us. Like some of you are just naturally helpful, naturally, natural leaders, natural, you know, that sort of thing. But sometimes the gifts don't, aren't what comes natural to us. Sometimes the gifts come to us contrary to our nature. I, I always use the example of myself here that I'm one of the least encouraging people you're ever going to meet. But Sometimes I have really great days where I felt like God really used me to encourage people against my own nature, and, and, and God used me. It's like he bestows upon me the spiritual gift of encouragement. People look at me and they go, Jeff does not have the spiritual gift of encouragement, but I do. I do, whenever God chooses to give it to me. That's, that's a really beautiful thing, right? And it's the same thing. You may not be that natural leader, but God might gift you with the gift of leadership for a specific purpose, or you, know, you never know. And so this gifting, this empowering happens, and, and then just this kind of general sense of empowering that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit lifts us up to be greater than the sum of our parts, Greater than the, so you're greater than the sum of your parts. When you look at yourself and you take a self-inventory of what you think you're capable of, the Holy Spirit looks inside of you and goes, no, you're greater than that. You're greater than that. I can accomplish far more in you than you think I can. And he often does when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. It's really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Paul puts it this way. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 12, page 931 in the Brown Bibles. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Like, get that right now. Like, I don't know what, what baggage, mental, personal baggage you came into the room today with, but understand this, the same God, the same Holy Spirit that is working in me is working in you. Who, look, think, think for just a second, like who is like spiritually speaking, who's somebody that you look up to that you really maybe revere or just have a lot of respect for or, or whatever? Maybe, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a, a a famous speaker or author that's helped you along the way, or I mean, whatever, just some mentor you've had in your life. Spiritually speaking, who's that person that you kind of look to as, you know, uh, just you have a lot of respect for that person? And the same God, the same Holy Spirit that has a, 
enabled them to be and do what you see is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. And he does not hold himself back. He does not hold himself back. Any smallness that you feel comes from within you. That is a tactic of the enemy to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Don't be trapped in the smallness that Satan wants to trap you in. Because God will open it up in some amazing ways, open you up in some amazing ways, and he will accomplish great things in your life. If you can just simply become that person that when the Holy Spirit impresses something on you, some sort of task, some sort of purpose, become that type of person that just defaults to yes. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. I don't think I can do it. In fact, I'm pretty confident I can do it. But God, if you're silly enough to ask me to do it, then okay, let's do this, right? Like just be that person who will say yes. Because not because you have such great faith in yourself, because you have faith in a great God. That's, that's why you have to, that's why we become those type of people. So this is kind of the big point I want to I leave with you today, and that's that the Holy Spirit doesn't check gender before gifting or empowering. There's no gender check when it comes to what the Holy Spirit will do in and through your life. Now, I say this because, ladies, let me speak to you right now. I don't know, I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where, like mentally, attitudinally, I don't know where your thinking is on this. I don't know what has been poured into you by people in authority in your life over the years. I, I don't know. Some of you may be right there and you're like, of course. Of course there's no gender check. Of course the same God works in me as it works in that dude sitting next to me. Of course. Some of you are right there, right? But Maybe some of you, maybe there's a handful of you in the room that you have for years now, or maybe it's new, maybe just, it has just started, have limited yourself simply because you think, well, if God really wanted that done, he probably would have asked a man. Because of what you've been taught, because of impressions you've picked up in your surroundings or your environment, whatever, I just want to, I just want to stop for a second and be clear and say, if that it might be your thinking, let that thinking go. The same God that is active in me that is active in Matt, that is active in Phil, that is active in Michael, that is active to every other man in this room, is the same God and the same Holy Spirit that will empower you and gift you and call you and will call you at times even when there are other men around available to be called. Why is that? I don't know. Ask God someday. Like, I don't know. I don't know why God calls who he calls. I don't know. But all I know is that there are times when he calls people and you're looking at it going, why, why did God pick that guy? Or why did God pick that lady? Like, I don't, I don't know. But God does. And, and maybe it's, sometimes it's because you're the right person with the right set of circumstances. You're the right person in the right place at the right time with the right abilities. And so God has... Has, has like, like what's that uh, phrase from the uh, story of Esther in the Old Testament? He's, he's, he's raised you up for such a time as this. 
For such a time as this, he has, he has put you here. He, he's given you influence. He has given you, he's placed you here, right? And maybe that's the case sometimes. Maybe, though, he selects you because you're precisely not the right person for the job. Because he looks at you going, yeah, yeah, nobody's going to, like if, like if I let Michael do this job, like nobody's going to be that impressed. I'll just be like, of course, it was Michael. But if I choose this other person, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, God was definitely involved. Because there's no way that was in that person's wheelhouse at all. Right? We just don't know. We don't know how and why God chooses who he chooses, but we know he chooses. And the calling that is available to me is the calling that's available to you. God is the chooser. I am not. I'm not. God is. And it's our job, men and women in the room, just to simply go, okay, if you're calling me to do this thing, then, then yes. Okay, let's do this. I'm scared. I'm doubtful. But okay, let's do this. And that's, that's, what, that's what this looks like. Like God is so powerful, and he wants to move in us so powerfully. And it's time for us. Like, do you realize that when you hold back on your giftedness and on your callings, you make us all weaker? It makes all of us weaker. Because here's the thing about spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts are not for you. It's not for you to be able to go, hey, I've got this gift and this gift and this gift and this gift, and look what God has done, through, done with me. It's not about you. The scripture tells us that your spiritual gifts are not about you. They are not for the good of you. They are for the good of the body. The body. So who cares if you've got 12 spiritual gifts and the person next to you has three? Because it's not about you anyway. It's about all of us. And God does not give you spiritual gifts to lift you up. He gives you spiritual gifts to lift all of us up. All of us. And so men and women in the room, make yourself available. Default to yes. Be used powerfully by a God who wants to use you powerfully. Like, do that. Amen? Let's do that. Listen, I hope... The last three weeks, my whole intention for this series has been that, that hopefully, maybe it's just for a handful of you, but for a handful of you in the room, it would dispel some, some uh, enemy thinking that's in your head right now and just go, okay, God can use me just as much as he can use anybody else. And, that, and, then, and, and again, I know when, when you start talking in church about issues of men and women and things like that. Sometimes, and in some settings, it can be a really controversial topic. And I have, I've intentionally tried not to dive into controversies, but instead, just on a theological level, go, this is, this is, the, uh, this is the foundation. Because here, this is, in church life, we're going to have those discussions. We're going to have discussions that, that are a little bit controversial. And how should we live out our church life in uh, you know, holding up high, uh, you know, a document, a book that's 2,000 plus years old, and also living in the context and in the culture that we like, how do we make sense? And we're going to have those conversations. And my only hope for this was not to draw controversy out, but instead, let's start on the same foundation of truth to have that conversation. 
Let's just start on the same foundation of truth. Let's dispel the myths. Let's dispel the wrong thinking and start on the same foundation of truth. And then let's have that conversation. But this place is not the place for that conversation. All I want you all to know today is that every single person in this room, you were created in God's image. Created, you are equal in Christ's kingdom. And you are gifted in the Spirit's power. Every single one of us in this room. And so walk in that power. Walk in that mutuality. Walk in the image of God. Do that. So I've said it the other weeks. I I wanted each week for us to kind of close off our time with, uh, I've invited a different woman each week uh, that's in our church to come and just share a word of encouragement to us. Uh, Janine Thiessen did a great job the first week. She's our children's minister. And last week, our office manager, Jesse Bessagini, did a fantastic job too. And I want to invite my wife, Jamie, to come up here and close us out today. Jamie's um, just, uh, she's my favorite woman. There's, there's no more. Yeah, she's absolutely my, my favorite. And, and so, like, the thing with, with Jamie is that she's a, an absolutely incredible woman of God. Like, her faith the strength of her faith is such a witness and a testimony to me. She's just steady in her faith. Like just, it, it, it really blows my mind. She has helped me out of weak moments of faith more times than I can count. And, um, and honestly, I, I would not be your pastor today or in the ministry at all had it not been for a prophetic word she spoke over my life. Because I was seeking God in all the wrong places. <laughs> I was just seeking, I was like trying to figure out what God wanted to do with me, and I was ignoring the one thing that was buried in the back of my brain that I knew He wanted me to do. And I was going in all kinds of different directions. I remember one night we were just talking, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what God wants me to do. And she just gave me a word of clarity. She was like, You need to be preaching. And it was like the light went on, and I was like, Ah, dang it, she's right. And, right, but it was this, like, God, she was the mouthpiece of God to me in that moment in in a way that I probably have not thanked her for enough. So you guys welcome Jamie, okay? So Jeff never lets me have the last word, so I'm really, really happy to this morning. (laughs) That's not true. He does. I make him. But uh, I just want to share with you a, um, a story that many of you have probably heard if you grew up in church at all or if you've been in God's Word about a woman who is from a place called Samaria who was at a well and Jesus came to speak with her. And the thing you need to know and remember about the Samaritan people is that it was a race that was looked down upon and that um, it was like racism at its worst. Anyone from Samaria was, they were the low lives in the minds of the people and surrounding nations and areas. Um, And then to further that, a woman in that culture was really looked down upon. Um, They were not elevated in any way. And in fact, it it was not okay for the men to speak to women in public. In fact, a man could not speak to a daughter, his wife, a sister, even a, you know, a family relation in public. 
in a familiar type of way because it was considered provocative and inappropriate. So to speak to anyone from this race being a Jew and then to speak to any woman in particular in public would have been absolutely like scandalous in this time. So keep that in mind as this woman is at the well drawing water and Jesus approaches, he sends his disciples to go ahead of him into the town and get food so that they can eat. And he is alone with this woman and just starts talking to her. And she's actually taken back because, oh my gosh, you're talking to me, you know, probably a little fearful. And he ends up telling her this story of her life. He knows, without her saying a word, this total stranger, he knows that she has been married five times and that the man she's with now is not her husband. And she's ashamed and shocked and in awe that he knew this. And he tells her about how he, she can have forgiveness in God and that she can be forgiven and have an eternal life to look forward to with him. And... She, of course, does accept the forgiveness and is so thrilled by what happened that she wants to go out and tell other people about it. Well, again, since women are not revered in this culture, the idea that a woman would go tell men or anyone something that was important was ridiculous. Their, their word was not taken seriously. Women were not ever asked to testify or be a witness to anything because, you know, women just know nothing in their minds. And yet, Jesus told her to go get her husband and bring him to him. And she ends up going back to the town. She tells all of the people who are there that she can see about Jesus and that she thinks he's the Messiah. And she's in complete shock. And these people, because she obeyed Jesus, these people end up coming to know Christ. And scripture says that many of the people in this town of Samaria came to know Jesus because she was willing to do that. And my point is, is that she had the power of Christ behind her. And this was not a person who would have ever been expected to have done the job of bringing people to Jesus or anything exciting, but she did it. She was basically a whore who could not be trusted and was looked down upon, but because she followed Christ in that moment, she was used. There is a scripture in, <coughs> in Ephesians chapter 3 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or ever imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church of the Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The power that he has that dwells within us. And women, every one of you in this room, and men, have that power. If you have accepted Christ, if you are following him, it is there. If you're saying, well, how do I get that power? What did what I do to get the power? Jesus says to accept him, and his power dwells within us from the moment that you accept him. And you do not have to be, I, I know you're sitting there saying, well, okay, Jamie, you're the pastor's wife. You grew up in this. Well, Janine's the, she leads all the kids. She's a teacher. She's a strong personality. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be anything special, which, by the way, marrying a pastor did not give me superpowers. I'm married to him, but I am not anything special because of that. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. 
or what you do for a living or what kind of spiritual gifts, as Jeff said, God has bestowed upon you, none of that matters. This woman, for all purposes, should have been a big failure at what Christ sent her out to do. But she wasn't. If she could go out and bring the people of Samaria back to Jesus, and many in the town came to know him, and he stayed two days and, and continued to, to share with them, if she was able to do that, then women, you and I can go out into Dixon and bring them to Jesus. We can do that. And you don't have to be anything special or feel anything special. The power of Christ is in you. So ladies and gentlemen in the room, as I leave you today, I just want to encourage you to look deep inside and say, okay, God, what is it that you have put before me to do for you? And sometimes it's a big task, and sometimes it's simply doing the tasks that he's given you to do every day. I am going to go to work, and I am going to be Jesus. I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to teach and show Jesus to those kids. I am going to be a mom who takes care of my littles and raises them up to know that Jesus is the most important thing in their world. I'm going to be a friend that leads people to Jesus. Don't forget that you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. You have what she had and more, and there's no reason, no excuse. Okay, ladies? No excuse. Let's do this. Let's be the church full of women and men who go out and bring Dixon to Jesus or Jesus to Dixon, whichever way it may go. All right, I'm going to pray now. Lord, we love you and we are so thankful that you saw fit to give your Holy Spirit to us. We no longer can walk side by side with you in the way that people did physically back in the day, but God, we do walk side by side with you every day as we get up and go about our day, as we teach our children, as we work through difficult, serious problems and hurts, we're walking right beside you and you dwell within us. And I am so thankful for that. And I pray that you would help each and every individual in this room to truly, genuinely know and believe that the power of your Holy Spirit is in them. And whatever it is you have called them to do, teach kids church, be a greeter, Go out and tell someone about the way you change their life. All the things that you ask us to do, Lord, we can do those things because you have empowered us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit, for making it so real among us today. Pray that you'll go with us through this week. Let us not forget the words we heard today, but allow you to help us know when and how we can act upon them. In your name we pray.